So there are gonna be some bowls that come by and you will get a little plastic thing. If I can get mine out, I'll show it to you. And it has a mustard seed. I want you to see how tiny it is. It's very important that you tuck this into your pocketbook or your wallet and take it with you this week because we're gonna talk about the lessons of it today. Because our Savior, when he was here on earth, he very much used this little seed to resemble and talk about his kingdom and about our faith. And we're gonna look at that today. So I wanna say good morning to those of you who are watching online, and those of you here maybe for to church for the very first time. I met a new friend today, and uh, we have someone visiting here for the first time. I wanna tell you a little bit about myself. I already told you I'm a retired English teacher, so I've never really had a fear of standing up in front of people. Maybe that's to my disadvantage, but <laughs> um, I enjoy sharing the Word of God. And I want to thank the students of Tri-City Christian Academy. On Thursday, they made sack lunches for the homeless. On Friday morning, the teenagers that they were got out of bed early and went to downtown Greensboro and fed the homeless. It is this way that they honor God in their youth. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself because... If you don't know me, you should know that I read the Bible all the time. And now that I'm retired, I got a lot of time for it. That's the big blessing. Um, but when you read the Bible, have you ever had a verse in the Bible and it brings back a memory to your own personal history? This verse did. It's Matthew 17, 20, and I'm supposed to run this thing. Okay, let's see if I can. Yay! Okay, so in Matthew 17, 20, uh, this is NIV, um, Jesus is talking, and he says to his disciples, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what, another thing you don't know about me, but you can probably tell from my accent, I was born in Minnesota to Midwestern parents. Yeah, yeah. Halfway through my fourth grade of elementary school, with snow up to as high as I was at that time, and after singing Christmas music at the school Christmas show and snowflakes falling everywhere, my dad bought us airline tickets and moved us to sunny Florida. Now, I love my relatives up north, but I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I love summer. 
And Florida is the best person, place for a person who loves summer. I mean, that year when we went down, we even opened our Christmas presents in our shorts and played outside on our bicycles. We had moved from the land of 10,000 lakes to the land of 10,000 gators. But both of these places are very flat. Very flat. Yes, I am a flatlander. My husband can tell you I get sick in the mountains. I, I try to get over it, but I am a flatlander to this very day. And once I saw the ocean, I'm sorry, y'all, it stole my heart. I'm an ocean girl. I'm a flatlander. But back to the story. So about five and a half years after our dad moved us to Florida, there was going to be a big family reunion in Minnesota for my grandparents were having a huge anniversary celebration. They had five kids and their spouses and their kids and 23 grandchildren, all of us coming from all over the United States, Texas, Arizona, um, you know, you name it, Washington State, other parts of Minnesota, Illinois, we were all coming to celebrate Grandma and Grandpa. My dad knew that there would be limited places to stay as the town had no hotels. Yeah, it was that small. Population 263 listed on the sign as you come into town. And so my dad rented a camper from a friend, and we were off on a big adventure. Yes, a road trip from Cocoa, Florida, to Eagle Band, Minnesota, in a camper. My teenage self and my two little brothers. Yeah, that one over there. He's one of them. And my dad was retired Air Force, and he wanted to show his family the U.S. of A. Our first big stop would be a campground in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Yes, I was 15 years old, a flatlander, and had never seen a mountain. Getting there in the early evening in July with the sun shining and the glory of the woods, we were curious. Hey, Dad, why, why is it called the Smoky Mountains? We don't see any Smoky Mountains. And Dad reassured us and said we would find out in the morning. The next day before sunrise, our Dad gently woke us up and said, follow him. We stepped out of the camper, and we were in awe. Anybody been to the Smoky Mountains, seen the smoky haze? It's amazing. We stepped out, and we were in awe. We looked all around the campground, and he took us to a safe place to watch the sunrise and view the Smoky Mountains. It was magical. This Flatlander's first experience on a mountain top. So after that, with my dad's same wanderlust soul, I have traveled all over the world and seen different types of mountains. 
For those of you who do not know, this is Sorak Sound. That means Sorak Mountain. During college, between my sophomore and junior year, I took a year off and I went to be a teacher in Seoul, Korea. And on the way there, I saw mountains in Hawaii and Japan, but this, this was amazing. And while living in Korea, I went hiking and repelling in the Sorok Mountains. Yes, repelling down that rock face. Actually, it's quite an interesting story because when you're an English teacher over there, people want to give you honor, right? And they want to learn English. So they decide to take you out on a trip. So we went out to the Sorok Mountains, and you can't see it here, but on one side, there are these stairs. And they take you up, and you zigzag across the mountain. And I'm thinking, okay, flatlander that I am, I, I, I can do this. All right, so I'm getting up. We get all the way up to the top of the mountain. They pull out all their camping equipment. They lay out, start a fire, and we eat this really cool food that I still love to this day. And it was very uh, cool. And they all got done, packed up the stuff, and they said, now, come on, we're going to go down the other side. <laughs> That's what the other side looked like. Now, have you ever spoken to God about how you will not do something again if he just gets you through it? Yeah, yeah. Y'all have done these prayers, especially if you're, you know, 10 or older. You for sure have done one of these prayers. I did another one down in, a, down in a, um, Aruba when I decided that I was stupid enough to go up in a hang glider. But anyway, so I had this moment, and these students say to me, okay, teacher son, teacher son, we go down now. And I'm like, well, where are the steps? Flatlander, remember, flatlander. Haven't changed, I'm still a flatlander, right? And they said, oh, Teacher, come here. And then they have the harnesses there and all. The, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you sent me over here to serve and to teach English, but how am I going to do that dead? Okay? says, I talk to God like that. And he forgives me because he knows that I'm, I'm not trying to be respectful. I'm just really trying to understand how I can teach English and be dead. So I repelled down the side of this mountain. Y'all can clap for me. Now, clap for God. He's the one that got me through it, okay? Because I couldn't do that mountain. <laughs> I'm telling you, if they had told me ahead of time, I would say, I'm a little busy this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, but I got through it because of God. So I've had experiences with mountains. This mountain is one we visited, and we took our son to Germany and went and saw Neuschwanstein Castle. You can see it there. Beautiful, huh? Mountains are gorgeous. Yeah. During that trip, our son said if he had to see another cathedral, he'd get sick, so we had to take him to um, the Museum of Torture. Yeah. Not my favorite place, but we went. This is Arizona. Have you seen these mountains? They're amazing. And the sunsets, y'all can't beat the sunsets. This one, we went on a family trip. 
And um, we went and saw the arches in Utah, if you get a chance to do that. Here's what I've learned about mountains as a flatlander. When you look at a mountain, you see the power of God. Now, do you remember what our verse was? Let's go back to it. And he said to them, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll be, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So when I met this verse, can you imagine all the different mountain ranges that were going through my little photographic head there, you know, that I'd seen in my past? Yeah. And so, you can tell that this verse probably said to me, you know what? How can I have that much faith? Enough faith to move a mountain? And does he really want me to do that? And then sometimes God has to remind me, because I'm a very literal person, to look at the message not so literally. Remember, Jesus taught in parables, and the mountain is figuratively representing something in my life and something in yours. Some mountain in my life. So I went back to study, and when Jesus was sharing this parable with his disciples, it comes up again several chapters earlier because, you know, have you ever been one of those people that you read just like one verse and you think, I need to know the rest of the story? Because I do. I'm too curious. And so I decided to go back to the very first time a mustard seed is talked about, and it's right here. It's in this verse, and it says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, sat in it, while the, all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. Jesus goes out by the lake, and like always, he draws this big crowd. It gets so crowded that for his own safety, his disciples put him in a boat, and you know, they were fishermen, they had plenty of those, and they put him out a little bit from the shore. And when he's out there, this is the first time we hear about the little mustard seed. He starts sharing other parables and their meanings, but let's look at Matthew 13, 31 through 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest, okay, y'all pick up your little seeds, look at them. This is your learning moment, okay? Look at your seed. Your teacher is asking you to look at, okay? 
It is the smallest of all seeds. And yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to a plant that all these people watching him while he's out on that boat, they know this tree. They can look over at the hills from where they are listening and see these trees. They know the side of its seed and the magnitude of the growth of the tree. This parable settles into the mind of all of Jesus' followers, especially his disciples. Jesus has planted the seed. Several days later, Jesus hears the news of the beheading of John the Baptist. Can you imagine the grief that our Savior felt when he heard about his cousin, John the Baptist, being beheaded? So he decides that he is going to take Peter and John with him, and he withdraws to find a solitary place. But the crowds are following him. Those are the same ones he fed the 5,000. But we go back to chapter 17, and a lot has transpired in Jesus' life quickly. And he takes Peter and John up there high into the mountain. The rest of the disciples had to stay down. They're trying to talk to the crowds. There are Pharisees there, Sadducees there. The devil was there. But when they go up there, the two disciples witness the transfiguration of Jesus. Imagine that holy experience. It's amazingly spiritual. But down in the valley, the other disciples are there and trouble is happening. The disciples left at the bottom of the mountain are having the most horrible experience of their lives. Let's pick this up in Matthew 17, 14 through 16. Now imagine Jesus coming down from the mountain. I would even imagine that his face is kind of glowing, wouldn't you? I've heard that the people who've been close to God, like Moses, people who've seen and been around God, and during the transfiguration, God is saying, this is my son. So the light of God has been upon him, and he and the two disciples come down, and they come back down to this dark place. And this is what's going on. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Is this is a concerned dad? Yes, he's brought his son to be healed. And he says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. That's significant, y'all. Are we followers who have made mistakes before? 
Mm-hmm. God puts this in the Bible for us, for us to learn, to learn that even when we make mistakes, even when we can't do what we want to do for God, he is there for us. So you know what Jesus does. Jesus cast the demon. Yes, it was a non-speaking demon. So if you go back and you want to study that a little more, you need to know that it was a demon that these disciples could not kick out of the little boy. Now, Jesus cast the demon out of the boy in front of his embarrassed disciples. Imagine how the disciples feel at that moment. Satan is testing their faith, y'all. He is testing their faith of being disciples. He's testing them whether they are going to be prepared when he leaves to be able to do these things. They had not, had they not already been casting out demons? When they were running around on this, or were they already not during Pentecost casting out demons? Were they healing the sick? Were they already doing miracles? Mm hmm. So, why couldn't they cast the demon out of the boy? That was my question. Because when I read this stuff, inquiring minds got to know, all right? And so, at this point, they decided that they needed to know. So let's pick up the story here in Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. Did y'all get that? Sometimes we need to go to the Lord in private, don't we? We need to go to him and say, you know, I messed up, Lord. What did I do wrong? So they go to him in private, and luckily they had Jesus right there with them. And they, they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? They're flabbergasted. How are we going to do this, Lord, when you leave us and go back to heaven? How are we going to do this if we couldn't do it right now? And he replied, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Was he gently reminding them that he was the source of the power. That the faith in him is what cast out demons. The faith in him is what did the miracles. It was the faith in him that raised people from the dead. It was their faith. This is the second time the disciples here about this mustard seed. This time, the message is different. It's not about the kingdom of God. It is about their faith. I love the parables Jesus told. They always touch my heart because I want to be a disciple of Christ, brothers and sisters, don't you? 
Don't you want to be his disciple? Yes. Jesus, want, did he want them to move mountains? Oh, yes, he did. He wanted them to have the faith to begin the early church, perform miracles, and preach about him. What a mountain. What mountain does Jesus want you to move? The mountain of selfishness? The mountain of disbelief? That's my problem sometimes. The mountain of pride? The mountain of lukewarmness? Lord, give me a fire. The mountain of depression? Yeah, it's a big mountain, y'all. Been through it. Been over it. Repelled down it. The mountain of addiction? All of us have a mountain that can move with the faith the size of a mustard seed. I would like to share a quote with you from a Christian writer. So the work of grace in the heart is small in its beginning, like the mustard seed. A word is spoken, a ray of light shed into the soul, and influence is exerted in the beginning of a new life. And who can measure its results? I want you to take your mustard seed home with you today. Put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put, tape it on your fridge. I don't care where you put it, but look at it this week. And when you take it home with you, remember that hope and courage are essential to service to God. These are the fruits of faith. Spend some time with God in prayer this week. Look at your mustard seed and ask him to grow your mustard seed of faith and ask him to move some mountains in your life.